Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So, what do we think? I got the, uh, what is this, a smoking gun? This is the smoking gun. Uh, actually, it's pretty damn juicy. It looks like we have the uh, FBI form where a confidential human source um, went to an FBI informant and said, I have uh, been receiving uh, all kinds of pressure to pay Joe Biden his money. Uh, this is all kinds of Ukrainian internal stuff, but the FBI got wind of it. The FBI, they pay uh, CHSs. CHSs, that's a confidential human source. And this guy, the confidential human source, is complaining about all the money he's got to pay to Joe Biden and his his own words here, dumb, stupid son, Hunter. Uh, has to pay Hunter, but you need Hunter on board, so everything will be okay, he is told, by uh, another CHS, confidential human source. you got to keep paying the Bidens. And here we have, uh, it looks like they have all kinds of, the confidential human source says there are all kinds of tape recordings of Joe Biden on the phone uh, asking for his money, and uh, he gets the money. It's, I've, uh, I've, I, we, we know this, but now I'm actually looking at the document that says it. We've heard this. That's an allegation, right? But it's dynamite. And now I have it on federal letterhead. It's the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Form 1023. Uh, this is what they use. This is kind of a be all and end all form in the FBI. If they're running an investigation, they put down the information, but this is unvetted and unverified. Well, at one, at this point, it all kind of checks out, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> we can, you can kind of connect the dots and it rings. It sounds like people we know, uh, Joe and Hunter, very, very much so. Whatever happened to Tony Bobolinsky? I'd love to hear from Tony Bobolinsky about all this stuff. He's the one who got it all rolling. What has happened to him? Um, keep your eye on this. Now, those hearings yesterday were dynamite, awesome, uh, really, whistleblowers of Ziegler and Shapley, career IRS investigators, generally speaking. I don't like those guys. I mean, they have a job to do, but, uh, you know, nobody's really. It's not the most popular federal agency. Um, but you need an IRS. And these guys were conducting a regular investigation about some shady company that may have been involved in prostitution. And all of a sudden... Hunter Biden's name comes up. And it's not like they set out to get Hunter Biden, but his name keeps coming up and payments between him and this company keep coming up. So they, you know, that's what happens. An investigation, you investigate and you you develop new leads and you follow those leads. And uh, it took them to Hunter Biden. And it was like, wow, we got a lot of stuff on now Hunter Biden. And the bosses over there at the IRS and the Department of Justice said, cool it, cool it, uh, you know, we don't, we, we don't, we don't want you to find out anything. Cut five, please. This is Joseph Ziegler, whistleblower, career IRS man. I have outlined for you some instances in which assigned prosecutors did not appear to follow the normal investigative process, slow walk the investigation, 
and put, pla- put in place unnecessary approvals and roadblocks from effectively and, ef- and efficiently investigating the case. A number of times we were not able to follow the facts. All right. You know, um, the bureaucracy, they live for their rules and procedures. And when they start blowing off the rules and procedures, it's a big deal. You know, it, it may not sound like, okay, it's not like somebody burst in with guns and held them to their heads and say, don't investigate, throw the file away. But, you know, when they slow walk and they start uh, delaying and they start putting up roadblocks, uh, that is a, that's a big deal. Let's see. This is Gary Shapley, the other IRS man, cut six. In this country, we believe in the rule of law, and that applies to everyone. There should not be a two-track justice system depending on who you are and who you're connected to. Yet, in this case, there was. Based on my experience, I'm here to tell you that the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office and Department of Justice handling the Hunter Biden tax investigation was very different from any other case in my 14 years at the IRS. At every stage, decisions were made that benefited the subject of this investigation. For example... Prosecutors concealed contents of Hunter Biden's laptop from investigators. DOJ slow walk steps to include interviews, serving document requests, and executing search warrants. Warrants that were ready as early as April of 2020, but were delayed until after the November, November 2020 election and never pursued. Investigators were not allowed to follow up on WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden's Apple iCloud backup, where he suggested he was sitting next to his father. Assistant United States Attorney Leslie Wolf cited the optics of executing a search warrant at President Biden's residence as a deciding factor for not allowing it, even though she agreed that probable cause existed. Prosecutors instructed investigators not to ask about the big guy or dad when conducting interviews. The Biden transition team was tipped off about interviews the night before the investigation went over, a fact my FBI counterpart confirmed to this committee in a recent testimony where the result was that only one witness spoke to investigators that day. These are just some of the examples of how our investigation was stymied. How about that? They were worried about the optics, the optics of uh, looking around Hunter Biden's house, right, Uh, using a search warrant on his little, uh, where did he live? He lived in the garage. They were worried about the optics. What are they not worried about when it comes to the Trumps? The optics. In fact, they love the optics of uh, trying to haul in the Trumps to jail. They love it. They've been pushing it. You know, even when Donald Trump Jr. was not accused of any wrongdoing, they were hauling him up, hauling him into this committee, that committee, making uh, issuing him subpoenas, making him testify. You can see it. They're like it almost looks like a perp walk, and that's what they wanted. They wanted him to look like a bad guy, and they have no compunction whatsoever, no reluctance to serve a search warrant on the former president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. But the optics, the optics, when it's a Democrat. Ooh, they're precious optics. How about that, huh? Um, now, Democrats really disgraced themselves yesterday. Oh, this is nothing. You guys have nothing, nothing on him. Jamie Raskin, cut eight. There is no evidence that Hunter Biden has received any kind of official favoritism in this prosecution for being Joe Biden's son. On the contrary, there are more than 10 million Americans who have filed taxes but failed to pay them the exact crime Hunter Biden is pleading guilty to. The vast majority of these cases are resolved administratively or through civil settlement. Indeed, every year the IRS and DOJ obtain convictions and sentences in fewer than 700 cases for tax crimes of any kind, a minuscule percentage. But when you're talking about money laundering, the deliberate, uh, the, the, the setting up of the LLCs, 
when you talk about the, the, the length of time it happened over from 2014 to 2021, uh, what else? I mean, when you, uh, <laughs> when you disguise money from Burisma as a loan when it's really income, isn't that too much, right? By the way, all that crazy money he was getting from Burisma, he was really bad. He didn't deserve it. They disguise it. They wanted to, to make it look like a loan because you don't have to pay taxes on a loan. Is that it? <laughs> they couldn't even be honest about that dishonest money <laughs> somehow. Uh, ooh, dishonest money. How about this? $13.7 million for all those idiots who uh, raged and tore apart New York City in the summer of 2020. $13 million for some of the rioters. You know, rioting is fun. Rioting is fun. Urban uh, sociologists, uh, urban studies majors, uh, professors, they all know this. That riot, They call it rioting for fun and profit. Now, the profit they were talking about was the looting. There's always looting. That's a lot of fun. It's really fun, actually, to get out there in the street and yell and scream. It is. For some people, That that's fun. Because you get to pretend that somebody else is the problem. That you have to change. This institution must change. This uh, this police department must change. That is so much more fun and so much easier than changing yourself. Right? You see all those people in the streets? Do you think their lives were perfect? Do they live perfect lives or even productive lives? I wonder. I, I, I well, I know no, nobody lives a perfect life, right? So, um, but it's it's much easier to look outside yourself rather than inward. And that's uh, that's part of the fun. The profit is looting. Now the profit has really kicked in. Literally, the financial profit. New York City will pay thirteen point seven million to a number of. I think this was mostly in the Bronx. That works out after the lawyers' fees and everything else. Uh, Ten thousand dollars per rioter. Ten thousand dollars per rioter. So uh, uh, that is actually one of the largest settlements ever uh, in this kind of situation. You know, it's crazy. It's another political payment. It's a political payoff. It is uh, Democrats helping Democrats or uh, Democrats helping radicals. Um, a lot of people getting the money. They're not radicals. They were just looking for something to do. Everybody was cooped up during COVID, especially young people. I mean, you can't go run out and take pictures of the food at the restaurant. So you have to uh, you have to riot. And that was a lot of fun. How about that? 13.7 million. Have you heard of the statute that they're trying to get Donald Trump on? This is the latest. This is the latest in the get Trump thing. And Jack Smith, that weirdo prosecutor from uh, Holland or something like that. 18 U.S. Code 241 conspiracy against rights. Conspiracy against rights. This law, they, they looked high and low, and they finally found something vague enough, loose enough that I think they can get any. I think I probably committed this crime about 50 times. I, 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 I'm I pretty sure I did. Every time I tell somebody to shut up, which is not nice, but I have done it, uh, I feel like that's against the law, according to this law. Let's see. If two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district, in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States, or because of his having so exercised the same, faces 10 years in prison. What? Now, how about a picture a negotiation? 
Picture two people. Like you got a team on one side, you got a table, you got a bunch of people on one side and you got a bunch of people on the other and they're negotiating. And let's say they're negotiating with one person. They were, the, it's a movie star, right? And the studio doesn't want to pay him anything. Let's, let's make them think that we're this close to firing him. We're going to scrap the picture. That's not really going to happen, but let's make them think that. Isn't that kind of intimidating? Don't people sometimes try to intimidate? And if there is more than one person doing that, that seems to be somehow against the law. I mean, doesn't that guy have the right to, uh, uh, what is it, the right to happiness, the pursuit of happiness? <laughs> is that one of his constitutional rights? What if those guys tell him, shut up, we don't want to hear you right now, and you can't talk about this? That would seem to be, um, and or, or else we're going to cancel the movie, we're going to take money from you, we're going to fire you. That would be a threat. This is the this is the law they say President Trump uh, violated regarding January 6th. And what are they going to say? That he was too mean to Mike Pence. Yeah, that he threatened Mike Pence. Um, Mike, you better do this. That's fine. You're allowed to speak in America. These Democrats don't seem to realize that, or at least we can't speak. Um, let's see, that, that uh, wimpy, uh, what was his name, Raffensperger, the Secretary of State down there in Georgia, he was uh he was very delicate. He was very delicate. He felt very threatened when Donald Trump said, I just want to find the votes because we need eleven thousand eight hundred and forty one. And I know they're out there somewhere. I had I've, I've spoken to Alan Dershowitz about this a lot of times. That is not that's not breaking the law. It's just <laughs> it's just complaining about an election and you're allowed to do it. Remember, we I, I, I heard Neil Cavuto the other day trying to say, oh, Donald Trump was trying to influence that election in Georgia. No kidding. He was trying to win it by trying to say, <laughs> he's not the first person to complain about an election. Did you hear about the guy who uh, snuck into North Korea? He was an American soldier. He um. He was in trouble. He was a troublemaker soldier. So they were in the process of, I think, kicking him out of the army. So they brought him from the army base in South Korea to the airport. And uh, they escorted him all the way to the plane. And then they said goodbye and good luck. And they left him at the gate. But the kid runs away. Uh, doesn't run away. He just walks away. And he leaves the airport and he joins a tour group that goes right up to the North Korean border. And he goes into North Korea. And that's where he is now. <laughs> and he may be there for the rest of his life. He's only 20 something years old. And I wish he had done his research because that was a big time mistake. Anybody who's ever gone over there regrets it. Otto Warmbier, anybody remember that poor guy? Uh, I mean, they killed him. They killed him. Yeah. He came back to America. He was technically alive, but he was a mess. And soldiers have done this before. It happened a lot in the fifties and sixties. You know, it's a really good life lesson. Something bad happens, you know, at the, and these guys all overreacted. Something bad happens at work or whatever, you know, screw you, I'm quitting, blah, blah, blah. Like that's what these guys did. They had some minor little issue at work. So they quit and went to North Korea and they spent many decades there. That one guy, they made them learn Korean. They made them learn the dictionary of Kim Jong il at the time. And they had to become these avowed radical communists. They set them up with women, which sounds great, but no, they, this is the woman you're going to be married to. They made them get married to particular women. They made them have sex on just two days, two days. You can have sex on this day and that day. And you can, that's it twice a month. No more. Uh, that's the way things roll. And there's nothing to eat. There's nothing to eat. And finally, 
One of them died in North Korea. It's pretty wild. He became a movie star in North Korea. His name is Joseph Dreznak. He died in North Korea, but he's pretty famous over there. They put him in movies. That's what they do, North Korean movies, which stink. They're still in black and white, not for any artistic purpose, uh, <laughs> because they can't afford color film. Good luck to this soldier. He's going to need it. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I actually enjoyed the hell out of the whistleblower testimony. It was fascinating. These guys, uh, real professionals, they knew their stuff. The Democrats knew they knew their stuff, so they had to talk about other stuff. It was uh, very awkward for them. Uh, it's really tough on these whistleblowers because they're coming out against uh, a Democrat president. Not really, not technically. I mean, they're just providing information, facts. And these facts are very damaging to the incumbent president and certainly his son. Uh, who Have you ever heard of the Mann Act? M-A-N-N Act. Something from about 100 years ago, but it says you're in big trouble if you bring a person over state lines with a purpose to have sex for money. You can't have a prostitute visit you from another state or else, look, you're in big trouble no matter where you are, potentially, if you get caught. Um, but if you fly somebody from California, as Hunter did, he flew this woman all the way from California to meet him in, uh, not Delaware, in Washington, D.C., for a day. Come see me for a day. She arrives on June 14th, and they send her back home June 15th. Wow, that's a lot of flying and probably uh, a lot of, a lot of you-know-what as well. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene held up a big sign and said, this is a violation of the Mann Act. Um, that's a problem. It's funny that, well, not funny, it's tragic. It really is tragic. But to watch these guys still defend Hunter Biden, would these things be prosecuted if uh, it were somebody else? You better believe it. You better believe it. Absolutely. You know, he's been doing drug. Uh, anybody who's doing drugs at that level gets arrested fairly, fairly routinely. And it hasn't happened to him. You think he didn't call up dad a few times to prevent going to jail? Absolutely. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. July 20th, July 20th. What happened on this day in history? We walked on the moon for the first time. Apollo 11. Neil, uh, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. And uh, Mike Collins flying overhead in the command uh, module. And you know what? You know what they always do? They always play the clip of Neil walking on the moon. And we can do that, too. We'll do that, maybe. But I got something else in mind. Um, after he says, one small step for man, one small, wait, one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. And then he tells everybody about the what it looks like and the sand and uh, the dust and uh, how far the little leg of the lunar lander is depressed in. And he got what they call a contingency sample is the first thing he did. He put a little rock, a little pebble in his pocket. So if he had to get the hell out of there in a hurry, like if some, you know, I don't know, alien space creature attacked him, he could get on the ship and they can get out of there in a hurry. Not an alien. They didn't think they'd see that, but they didn't know what would happen. They they were a little bit afraid that the uh, spaceship would collapse into, like, very, very thick dust. 
they weren't sure how how um uh how solid the earth was up there the earth the moon anyway uh about 20 minutes after they get there richard nixon calls up the president of the united states uh 3 billion people on planet earth are watching tv and uh it's so cool richard nixon calls and uh uh unfortunately it's not much of a of a of a back and forth He's kind of like, he kind of delivers a speech, but here we go. Tranquility Base, this is Houston. Could we get both of you on the camera for a minute, please? I think we're going to have a, an announcement here. <laughs> I wanted both of them in the field of view. Uh, Roger, we'd like to get both of you in the field of view on the camera for a minute. Yeah, I think something rather important is coming up here. Uh, Neil and Buzz. Uh, the President of the United States is in his office now and would like to say a few words to you. Over. That would be an honor. Uh, go ahead, Mr. President. This is Houston out. Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval Room at the White House. And this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made from the White House. I just can't tell you how proud we all are of what you have done. For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. And for people all over the world, I am sure that they too join with Americans in recognizing what an immense feat this is. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. And as you talk to us from the sea of tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility to Earth. For one priceless moment in the whole history of man, all the people on this Earth are truly one. One in their pride in what you have done, and one in our prayers that you will return safely to Earth. Uh. Thank you, Mr. President. It's a great honor and privilege for us to be here representing not only the United States, but men of peace of all nations, and with interest and a curiosity, and, and with a vision for the future. Uh, honor for us to be able to participate here today. And thank you very much, and I look forward, all of us look forward to seeing you on the Hornet on Thursday. And that's it. That's it. Wow. Yeah, I would have been more like, so what's it like up there, guys? I mean, he just, uh, but Nixon, you could tell he was genuinely really excited, and the whole world was watching. Has there been a moment like that since? Where, you know, forget about country, forget about part. everybody was just rooting, rooting for one thing, for those guys in all of what they were doing on the moon and for them to come home safely, which was not a, uh, <laughs> it was not a done deal by any means. They had to get back in that thing and launch from the moon. And it wasn't clear at all that that was going to work. So it was very, very dicey. You know, of course, um, the fake news being the fake news and uh, it was fake back then too. Not as fake, but kind of fake. There were hundreds of very nasty articles and uh, editorials about Nixon 
and that he wasted the time of the astronauts with that little conversation that somehow that, that took away from their very vital scientific work. Well, they were up there for two and a half hours. They had plenty of time to get all the rocks they needed and we needed. And that wasn't a, they were just standing there listening to him. I wish there were a little bit more give and take. Nixon could be so formal sometimes, you know, and um, he wanted to sound like Kennedy or he just wanted to be a great orator. He wasn't a great orator, but he really tried. He really tried. And you can tell he's reading that whole thing. Uh, one thing you could not see, it was on television, uh, the moon, of course, uh, the astronauts there. But Nixon, as he gave that little talk, uh, was in the Oval Office. And on television, they split the screen, and you saw Nixon on one side and the moon on the other, uh, the astronauts on the other. That's the very first time they ever used the split screen on television. And the guy who did it was Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes, who went on to uh, create and uh, run the Fox News Channel and help get um, numerous Republican presidents elected. And uh, he was just a total and complete genius and he has been so lied about over the years, so uh, maligned unfairly, especially that uh, Gretchen person, Gretchen, Gretchen Carlson up in Connecticut with her many, many, many millions of dollars uh, sitting around uh, monitoring Twitter all day long. I'm sorry, but there have been so many books and movies depicting her as one nasty person. I mean, everybody has a bad day, but apparently she was mean to everybody at the uh, Miss America pageant. Then she was mean to everybody at the Fox News Channel. And then she was mean to everybody over there at A&E. Uh, just kind of mean. Just to lighten up. Spend some of that money. Right, Mike? Hello. Hello, Greg. Yes. Yeah, hi. Uh, great show today, as always. But uh, my memory of the uh, moon landing, I listened on the radio while I was sitting in a training exercise in a night ambush position, and we broke protocol to cheer for the landing. But two, two, What, were you two in points. Vietnam? No, I was in training mission. Oh, it's uh, where? Uh, I was an ROTC cadet. And two years later, I was an instructor in the same mission. <laughs> huh. All right, so you pumped up the volume to listen to the moon. Uh, that's cool. What yeah, else? And every, everybody cheered. We broke protocol, but nobody cared. Um, yeah, I mean, let's face it. It wasn't like you guys were in the jungle in Vietnam. You were at Fort Dix, and right. uh, that's great. Right. All right, tell me more. If, if you, if you uh, watch the movie Sound of Freedom, you may wonder if Hunter could have had a starring role, or perhaps he might have been a technical advisor. But the main, the main thing I called about is uh, don't, you should not uh, pick on the prosecutor, Smith, for uncovering that obscure code that they're trying to use against Trump. Perhaps we can use the same thing against the rioters, because those rioters violated that code. For every person they prevented from walking down the street in peace. Well, listen, we, we 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 already have laws against we have laws against breaking things and hurting people. I think they should have been enforced. And uh, you can't take over this. You know, I, I don't want to hunt these. I, it's an interesting point. You're right. I mean, yeah, if I wanted to be a an overzealous, over the top prosecutor, I could uh, whip out this rule and basically use it against anybody I don't like or anybody I disagree with. No, you're right. You're not wrong. But I'm not going to uh, – I don't want to play their game. I keep hearing, well, we got to do what they do. we got to do I, – I, no, that's that's them. There's a reason why we're better than they are. We don't do stuff like this. And uh, I don't want to do that. I don't know if you're really uh, literally serious. What is this again? 18 U.S. Code 241, conspiracy against rights. If two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate. You know, this would be more powerful if it said – in the word that makes this a joke is or – or 
injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate. You can't injure anybody, but oppress, what do you mean by that? Threaten, what do you mean by that? Mike Pence, you do that or you and I are finished. I will not, I will not be, you will, I'm going to fire you. I'm going to, like, that's not a real threat. All right. Intimidate. You better do this. You do this. That's not, that's not, I mean, yeah, you could say that's intimidation, but people get intimidated. You don't make a federal case out of it. Nobody says that anymore. Remember, where was that a thing? Abbott and Costello, the honeymooners. You don't have to make a federal case out of it. And um, now everything, everybody makes a big deal out of everything. That's like what we do in America. You never hear another phrase anymore. Chip on his shoulder or her shoulder. That guy has a real chip on his shoulder. Nobody says that anymore. Why? Because everybody has a chip on their shoulder just about, right? Everybody's making a big deal about this, that, and the other thing. Mike, thank you very much. Let's try Sal real quick in Staten Island. Hi, Sal. Hey, Greg. That was a explosive testimony yesterday I heard on your show. And, you know, speaking of Abbott and Costello, they were, uh, had medical problems that they couldn't serve in the military. Hey, what's up with you in the military? Why are you always sneaking that in? I'm in the military. You you were in the military. Why, why, why do you always what, – what, what's what, what, what's with you and the veterans? I mean, right? what's going on? I love veterans, all right? We love veterans. But you always kind of come in, you want to talk about one thing, and you, then you start talking about veterans' issues. Why is that? Because the veterans are ignored and they're All right, Sal, the veterans are doing fine. You know what? To a, to a certain point, you make them sound like they're pathetic and they're lost. And your statistics have been wrong consistently. Consistently. You get it wrong, Sal. I like you. I love the veterans. I'm a veteran myself. Uh, nine years active duty, a dozen. But you know what? Sometimes I want to say to some of my veteran friends, get on with it. All right? We're not in the military anymore. Get to work. Thank you very much. Uh, Fred. In Elmont. Hi, Fred. Yeah, yeah, Greg, it's Fred. Listen, I, can you simply, I, want, I don't want to waste anyone else's time, explain to me why the victim, the store owner, has to pay the criminal $10,000 for smashing into their store, you know, smashing around. How is that? Because I've been trying to figure this out for 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, you got the college education. You tell me. Well, you don't have to go to college to figure out this stuff is uh, is ludicrous. And you don't have to go to college to figure out this stuff is idiotic. Um, but I will say this. This one thing with this one settlement, I think what it is is they penned they, – they're accusing the cops of basically corralling the rioters into one spot, right, that they wouldn't let them go, and then they proceeded to arrest them so that they had, like, gates – uh, at one end of the street and gates at the other end of the street and uh, $10,000 a pop. This is not for thousands of people. How many is that? Let's, can we do the math? What's 13 million divided by 10,000? What is that? How many people are we talking about? Uh, it's, it's between 100 and 300. I'm guessing it's not everybody. It's not everybody. Do we have the math yet? All right. Calculator, everybody. Thir- thir- 13, yeah, 1,300. So it's 1,300. There are a lot more people than, than 1,300 who are riding, uh, uh, all, all Black Lives Matter. So this is one thing, but it's still offensive. It's still totally offensive and wrong. And it goes right to what the urban, uh, sociologists have been talking about for a million years. It is the fun and profit of rioting. It's a fun thing. Hey, we all gotta see, uh, if you haven't seen it already, that Sound of Freedom movie is great. People are still talking about it. It's number two at the box office. That's great. 
the other movie people are talking about is Oppenheimer, which does not look one thing. The star of the movie is so thin, is so weirdly thin. And from what I'm hearing, for a movie about nuclear weapons, you don't see one bomb go off the entire movie. It's supposed to be very, very boring and very, very long. The other movie people are talking about is the Barbie movie, which I will not see. Uh, there's no, I have no interest in Barbie, Ken, whatever. Now come out with a G.I. Joe movie? That's another thing. I guess they did, but the problem is they came out with a G.I. Joe movie about G.I. Joe circa 1995. Not the classic G.I. Joe. You know what I'm talking about. In the 1970s, he was like 12, he was like, what, 10 inches tall with the fuzzy beard and the scar, some, you know, and the cool Land Rover and the mummy and all that stuff. That was, they were real toys. Big, big. You could do stuff. It had a shovel that actually worked. And then everything went cheap. Everything went ultra cheap. And uh, the movie uh, G.I. Joe, yeah, they did make a movie and even a TV show, but it has nothing to do with the, seer, the, the G.I. Joe circa 1975. That was prime time. Give me a moment, please. Bye. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, I got the document, the 1023 now in front of me. This is the FBI document, some confidential human source, an undercover. Uh, we don't know who it is, but uh, gave the FBI all of this information, and they put it down in a form called a 1023. And I think this is the juicy part right here. Uh, this is, goes all the way back to 2017. And it's phone calls between the confidential human source and Zlochevsky. Who is Zlochevsky? He's some guy in Ukraine who started Burisma, the company. All right. So uh, I'm going to read right from the FBI. This is right from the FBI's report. Shortly after the 2016 U.S. election and during President Trump's transition period, the confidential human source participated in a conference call with Zlochevsky and another individual. The confidential human source inquired whether Zlochevsky was happy with the U.S. election results. Zlochevsky replied that he was not. He was not happy that Trump won the election. The confidential human source asked um, Zlochevsky whether he was concerned about Burisma's involvement with the Bidens. Zlochevsky stated he didn't want to pay the Bidens and he was pushed to pay them. The confidential human source explained the Russian terms Lochevsky used to explain the payments was Pulichili, translated by the okay, translated by the source, which literally translates to got it or received it, but is also used in Russian criminal slang for being forced or coerced to pay. Lochevsky stated Shokin had already been fired. Now Shokin was the state prosecutor, and no investigation was currently going on and that nobody would find out about his financial dealings with the Bidens. The confidential human source then stated, I hope you have some backup proof for your words, namely that Zlochevsky was forced to pay the Bidens. Zlochevsky replied 
He has many text messages and recordings that show that he was coerced to make such payments. <laughs> damn. Uh, damn. The confidential human source to- told Zlochevsky he should make certain that he should retain those recordings. Zlochevsky asked whether it would make any legal difference whether he voluntarily made such payments or if he was forced to make them. Zlochevsky, okay, so he's worried about himself being in trouble here because, you know, when, when bribes happen, it's not just the bribe recipient, it's the briber, it's the, the payer of the bribe is often in trouble. Zlochevsky, although I think it's worse to get the bribe than to pay the bribe, right? Zlochevsky then asked the confidential human source whether the confidential human source could provide any assistance in Ukraine with the Poroshenko regime if something were to happen to Zlochevsky in the future. Confidential human source replied that confidential human source did not want to get involved in any such matters. First, he doesn't want to get involved with the Bidens. Now he doesn't want to get involved in this. Actually, this confidential human source, whoever he is, sounds like a pretty savvy guy. This is all something to be avoided. Uh, let's see here. That's the that's the important part right there. Zlochevsky, who started Burisma, said he was coerced to pay the Bidens. That's a big freaking deal, don't you think? And I'm not reading this from some blog. I'm reading it from the Federal Bureau of Investigation confidential human reporting document, the FD-1023. This is an official record. An official record. Wow. Um, let's see here. Let's go on a little bit more. Uh, something in, something they, they, they meet in London. There's a coffee house. Uh, all right. At some point during the meeting, uh, a person advised the confidential human source that he was going to call Zlochevsky. At this time, the confidential human source understood Zlochevsky was living somewhere in Europe. During the call, Zlochevsky asked the confidential human source if he read the recent news reports about the investigations into the Bidens and Burisma. And Zlochevsky jokingly asked the confidential human source if the confidential human source was an oracle. Due to confidential human sources prior advice that Zlochevsky should not pay the Bidens and instead hire an attorney to litigate the allegations concerning Shokin's investigation. Shokin being one of the problems with this, why this is not a bigger thing. It really should be. And it, sometimes it's hard to keep track of the names. I've told this to Rudy. Every time he starts talking about these Ukrainian names, everybody's name, everybody's head starts to spin. But that doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Look at the Watergate hearings. In eight minutes, you're going to be totally confused. Look at the Iran-Contra hearings. Nobody knows what that that was about. Nobody. It doesn't matter how technical it is. Well, you got to explain to the man on the street. No, actually, you got to explain in Congress at a hearing. And you have lawyers involved. The confidential human source mentions Lochevsky might have difficulty explaining suspicious wire transfers that may evidence any illicit payments to the Bidens. Zlochevsky responded he did not send any funds directly to the big guy, which the confidential human source understood was a reference to Joe Biden. The confidential human source asked Zlochevsky how many companies' bank accounts Zlochevsky controls. Zlochevsky responded it would take them, the investigators, 10 years to find the records concerning the illicit payments to the Bidens. Well, it took about five years, but we got him. Thank you, Zlochevsky. Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
You know, they say God has a sense of humor. And when you look at animals, you really can uh, see that animals are amazing. And Instagram, what a what a vehicle to show us all kinds of uh, wild things. I'm looking at a ram. You ever see a ram uh, and what they do to each other, how they ram each other? And they've got these big ram type helmets, mountain goats. Who would have thought about a mountain goat? How, who would have designed other than God? Who could come up with such a thing as a mountain goat? Uh, cats and dogs and monkeys. My most favorite thing lately is when like odd animals are friends with each other, like a monkey with a Labrador retriever. Um, oh, you know, um, a golden labs actually, you know what they do at zoos? They put uh, golden labs with cheetahs, cheetahs, and they stay together their entire lives. It's a, somebody figured out that that's a really good way for them to, you know, have some company while they're in, uh, captivity. It makes it a little bit sweeter. And, um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a real thing. Hey, uh, this document as I went over is, uh, is a big deal. Now it's not moving the needle one inch, not one inch. The mainstream media, they're still talking about election interference in Georgia. <laughs> Donald Trump. How dare he in- interfere with that election that he was a candidate in demanding a fair count of all the votes? Um, that's, uh, and what else are they doing? They're making fun of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Who oh, I like a lot. And I know, uh, he says he's not interested in being Trump's running mate. And there are a lot of reasons that why that should not happen. But there are a couple of reasons why it should. Um, he is a Democrat who believes in the Constitution. And those people are rare. Those people are very rare these days. Now he has a reputation as being an anti-vaxxer and that's fine. You know, I'm not. That's not my issue. It never has been. I respect those who uh, really feel passionate about it. And uh, I think, quite frankly, they have a point. Uh, my father-in-law uh, took the vaccine and has no kidding blood clots as a result. It's a really big deal. And uh, he, you know, when you're in your 80s, that's tough enough. Now he's got to deal with blood clots. And what's one of the side effects of the vaccine? Blood clots. So... I I got the vaccine. That was my choice, and uh, but it was my choice. No mandates. No mandates. Now these Robert F. Kennedy's there. You know they've been censoring him on big tech, social media, whatever, and his campaign. He's not getting nearly the coverage he should be. He poses a real significant threat to Joe Biden. So he shows up at the Weaponization Committee, the committee that's investigating the weaponization of government. And he, uh, because he's been censored by government, it looks like, and he has a seat there. And then the, the ranking member, this vicious woman named, I think her Plaskett, I think she's Plaskett, and listen to her lay into uh, RFK Jr. Of this, you know, Mr. Kennedy's own family just decries his stance on vaccines, and families disagree on a lot of things. Yeah, uh, I got family members that you know. We all disagree. So that doesn't mean anything. But Why did you bring it the up? The fact that he uh, has famously sent a request to a party guest that they had to be vaccinated to come to his party. And I'd like to introduce into the record a letter from Louis Silkin, a law firm representing Mr. Kennedy, which states, as he has stated repeatedly, he vaccinated all his children. And I'd like that to be introduced into the record. Um, but tells the black community and myself, a mother of five black children, 
that I should really be careful and not necessarily have the same safeguards to protect my family, my children, from a virus that has killed millions of people because I'm black. There's no secret that this is an amplification of his own platform. Uh, you should, who told her that she should not get the vaccine because she's talk about playing the race card, man. That's, uh, now I I know what's going on with the, uh, with the, with the party invitation. I think if you hire a caterer, they have all these policies, right? If you hire a lawyer and you go to their law firm website, you know, all, all of corporate America was on board with the vaccine. Um, but that doesn't mean we as individuals have to be on board with the vaccine. Uh, RFK, he speaks out here. This, now it's his turn. And I think he talks directly to that lady who just uh, played the race card so viciously and blatantly. Go ahead. Start. I want to put aside my written statement for a moment and address one of the uh, points that was brought up. I think an important point by the ranking member that this body ought to be concerning itself with the uh, with issues that impact directly the American people. The rising price of groceries, 76% over the past two years for basic foodstuff, uh, the war in Ukraine, the inflation issues, the border issues, many, many other issues that concern us all as a nation. We can't do that without the First Amendment, without debate. Uh, when I gave my speech, my announcement speech in Boston, uh, Two months ago, YouTube, I, I talked about all those issues. I focused on grocery. I focused on the fact that working class people can no longer afford to live in this country. I talked about inflation, all the issues that deeply concern you and that you've devoted your career to alleviating those issues. Oh, give me a break. Five you don't have to kiss her ass my- now. She, she just called you a racist. All right. Now, yeah, this is uh, all right. Maybe we should skip through this, but now keep going. My speech, when I was talking about Paul Revere, YouTube deplatformed me. I didn't talk about vaccines in that speech. I didn't talk about anything that was a verboten subject. I just was talking about my campaign and things, the conversation that we ought to be having with each other as Americans. But I was shut down, and that is why the First Amendment's important. Debate, congenial, respectful debate, is the is the fertilizer, it's the water, it's the sunlight for our democracy. We need to be talking to each other. Now, there, this is a letter, and many of you signed, many of my fellow Democrats. I've spent my life in this party. I've devoted my life to the values of this party. Does his voice bother this, you? It doesn't bother... It's actually... <laughs> In small doses, it doesn't bother me. It first it bothered me, then I got used to it, and now listening to his speech, it's a little bit. It is a little bit much, but I like what he's saying. So we shall continue. A hundred and two people signed this. This itself is evidence of the problem that this hearing was convened to address. This is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing. <laughs> the the. The charges in this, and, and by the way, censorship is antithetical to our party. It was, it was appalling to my father, to my uncle, to FDR, Harry Truman, to Thomas Jefferson, as the chairman referred to. It is the basis for democracy. 
It sets us apart from all of the previous forms of government. We need to be able to talk. And, and the First Amendment was not written for easy speech. It was written for the speech that nobody likes you for. And I was, I was censored not just by the Democratic administration. I was censored by the Trump administration. I was the first person censored by the, as the chairman pointed out, by the Biden administration two days after it came into office. It ordered a truthful, and by the way, Stop. they had to invent. Just real new- quick. He's, it's, uh, I think it was during the Trump administration, not by the, not by the Trump administration. Uh, let me just see where he wraps up. A little bit more. Word called malinformation. Dude, yeah. to, to, to censor people like me. If there was no misinformation on my Instagram account. Everything I put on that account was cited and sourced to peer-reviewed publications or government databases. Nobody have, has ever pointed to a single piece of misinformation that I published. I was removed for something they called malinformation. Malinformation is information that is true, but is inconvenient to the government that they don't want people to hear. And and that's antithetical to the values of our country. After I announced my presidency, it became more difficult for people to censor me outright. So now I'm subject to this new form of censorship, which is called targeted propaganda, where people apply pejoratives like anti-vax. I've never been anti-vaccine, but everybody in this room probably believes that I have been. That's interesting. That's interesting. Look, this is long. I guess we can watch it tonight. I like it. But speaking, man, I like it a lot. And, yeah, he has the prestige and status of being a Kennedy. And Kennedys weren't crazy until they, well, some of them went crazy. <laughs> uh, John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy. I like this Kennedy. I like him a lot. Now, speaking of censorship, though, you remember yesterday, right? How amazing that was, the, uh, the hearing on Capitol Hill. All those, uh, the whistleblowers who came forward and they had damning information about how a, an investigation was thwarted, slow walked by loyalists to, uh, to Biden. I mean, it was so non-standard what was happening and so weird that it was obviously political and they had to come forward and they said stuff and it was compelling. It was on television yesterday for about seven hours. A good chunk of the country was talking about it. And then I tune into the most watched news program in the world. You know what that is? It's actually ABC news, ABC world news tonight with David Muir. David Muir and um, David Muir is owned by Disney. Disney does that whole thing, right? And Disney is p- pushing a really radical uh, agenda, sexualizing kids. Have you seen Disney World lately and all the trans people who are hanging around there and working there? It's crazy stuff. They came in and they uh, got involved in the so-called don't say gay bill, which was not a don't say gay bill. It was just don't mess around with kids when they're in second grade regarding sex. That was the bill. Uh, so I tuned in the news last night. This is the number one news program in the country. Surely they're going to talk about uh, these whistleblowers and their dynamite allegations that seem to implicate the Bidens, right? Tonight, the images coming in now, the monster tornado touching down an EF2 winds up to 135 miles per hour, All right. fueled in part by this deadly and dangerous heat. That's a that's a valid story. I understand you got to do that uh, big tornado story. Okay, that's fine. Keep going. 
And the passengers on board a Delta flight sitting for more than an hour on the tarmac amid triple-digit temperatures outside. They had to call in medical teams and oxygen. Now, hold on stunning- one second. An hour on the tarmac. I thought it was eight hours on the tarmac. What is that, an hour? I've been on the, haven't you been on the tarmac for an hour? It's not that long, but I understand it was very, very uncomfortable, and they got way too many procedures sometimes. Can't the captain just say we're going back? Can't the captain just make that call? Sometimes they have nowhere to bring the passengers, though. All right. Arguably, that's a legitimate news story as well. Keep going. Images tonight, that powerful tornado in North Carolina tearing through homes and businesses, hitting at lunch hour. Multiple people hurt. And the twister slamming into a Pfizer plant, sustaining major damage. In Kentucky tonight, the governor there declaring a state of emergency. Widespread flooding. And we're learning more about the nightmare on board that Delta plane. Passengers and crew spending more than an hour on the tarmac. The outside temperature reaching 110. Rob Marciano standing by with the tornado concerns still at this hour and the storms and heat. We also have new reporting tonight and the defection of an American soldier to North Korea. This is interesting. Interesting story. Keep going. Making a desperate plea tonight. The new image of that soldier at the DMZ just moments before authorities say he ran into North Korea on his own. A witness describing the moment where he is right now and what do authorities believe is now playing out. Martha Raddatz and what she learned just a short time ago. Former President Trump tonight bracing for what he predicts will be an indictment and arrest after being told by the special counsel he is the target of a federal criminal investigation. Legitimate news story. Now, this is where this is where you start talking about the whistleblowers and the amazing the riveting testimony today that has at least Republicans talking. Right. 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 Is he going to get to that? He's so serious about everything. Keep going. What we're now learning that was in that letter from Jack Smith, the federal statutes reportedly cited John Carl with late reporting for us escaping an alleged house of horrors. Authorities say two young brothers, just seven and nine, climbing out through a window, their mother and her boyfriend under arrest tonight. Neighbors calling 911. All right. Authorities. I'm glad those kids got out of that house. But uh, what about the whistleblowers? believe the boys spent much of their lives trapped in that home, a latch on the outside of their bedroom door. The war in Ukraine tonight and Russia's revenge, the stunning new images coming in, and Vladimir Putin's new warning tonight. And what some believe is the first video of Yevgeny Prigozhin since its effort to turn troops around and march on Moscow. James Longman with the video from Ukraine. In New York tonight, there is news in the serial killer case, the architect and father charged with multiple murders. Tonight, what we've now learned about the suspect's longtime wife. All right, stop. There is- stop. They're obviously not getting around to the news. Okay. Some of those stories are interesting. I don't know if I really need an update on the Ukraine war and uh, the first images of Yevgeny so-and-so. Um, but nothing about those whistleblowers, nothing about this major scandal, the WhatsApp messages and the president of the United States allegedly taking $20 million from foreign governments. That's a, that's newsworthy. That's kind of newsworthy. And it is also newsworthy that the wife of the alleged serial killer has filed for divorce. Have you seen the pictures of them? They look, uh, yeah, they're going through hell right now. And you know what? My heart goes out to them. It does. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, again, 54 years ago today, we were on the moon. 54 years ago, Apollo 11 landed on the moon, and uh, that's very cool. I love it. I love that we've been there. It really bothers me that we have not been back since uh, 1972. 
We have not been in deep space since 1972. Can you believe that? Human beings are the furthest we've been. December 72. We haven't been that far away from Earth ever since in terms of having a person. So where does that leave us? Well, we need to get back. Next year, they're planning on sending a couple of astronauts around the moon, uh, but they're not going to land on it. I don't know. Go so all that distance and not land on it. I think at this point we know how to land on it. But anyway, um, now you may not have heard this or you may not remember it, but there was a little plaque on the lunar lander right underneath the ladder. And oh, by the way, where was the lunar module uh, manufactured? Long Island and Bethpage. Bethpage, Long Island. Long Island, the cradle of aviation. And there's a silver plaque. And I think we got Buzz, no, Neil uh, describing it. And uh, it's like a plaque. It's like, yeah, we, we came to the moon. This marks the spot. Go ahead. That's nice. Richard Nixon signed it. All of the moon landings happened when Richard Nixon was president. Isn't that interesting? Hey, you know what else was going on at the same time? The Brady Bunch was in prime time. The entire Nixon presidency, the Brady Bunch was on TV. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, the 54th uh, anniversary of the moonwalk, uh... It reminds me that when those guys got back, they had a rough time, some of them. Uh, Neil, uh, Buzz Aldrin in particular. I could never understand this. Buzz Aldrin flew the most experimental uh, aircraft, spaceship ever. I guess it's not an aircraft. It's a spaceship ever, ever. The most complex system ever. Now, he was still in the Air Force when he went to the moon. And he stays in the Air Force when he gets back from the moon. They did not take care of those guys, by the way, nearly well enough. Um, they they were in way over their head. They're a bunch of engineers, and suddenly they're giving speeches to joint sessions of Congress. They're meeting kings and queens. They should have prepped them better. Um, Neil talks about this in one of his uh, books. He had a panic attack on Amtrak going between New York and Washington, D.C. This is after he got back from the moon. The guy could handle going to the moon, but... He had to write a speech on the way to Washington, D.C. to be delivered to the joint session of Congress. This guy's an engineer. He's a pilot. He doesn't write speeches. And under enormous stress, enormous stress. And he also had to deal with the added burden of everybody was talking about the first man on the moon. The first man on the moon was Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Neil Neil Armstrong was like 100 times more famous than Buzz Aldrin. Getting more famous. The, the post office put out a stamp. What did it say? First man on the moon. First man on the moon. Well, they got there at the same time in the same ship. It's like you and I drive to California. You know, let's say we, we, we drove nonstop somehow to California and you get out before I do. Did you beat me to California? It's insane. No, but it really hurt Buzz Aldrin. 
and he had a dad, nice guy, but he would fire up Buzz about all this stuff. Buzz, you're getting disrespected. Buzz, you got to do something about this. Buzz, Buzz, Buzz. So it drove him a little bit crazy. He started to drink, drink very heavily, and um, he's been quite public about it. I've met him a few times. Really great guy. Um, but like a lot of engineers, you know, uh, and I feel bad sometimes around astronauts, you know, like, what do you ask them? They've been, they've heard everything. They, they, they just, they've heard it all. They've seen it all. They're not really, they're, they're very hard to impress them. Um, and people, people get goofy around them. People get, you know, they're starstruck or whatever. First man on the moon. And then the other astronauts, some of the astronauts did amazing things, but they didn't get to walk on the moon and they, they can sense the visible frustration. They can see it. People are like, wait a second, you went there, but you didn't get to walk on the moon? Oh, and they'll just walk away. Um, going all the way to the moon and going around it, that's actually incredibly cool as well. I mean, just look at that moon. Just think, people have been on the other side of it. I really am happy for those astronauts who are going to go back next year, including hopefully Jasmine Mogbelli. She's from Baldwin, Long Island. Never met her. Um, went to Baldwin High School, became a Marine Corps pilot, went to MIT. And there's a damn good chance she's going to be the next, uh, next person on the moon. Wouldn't that be fabulous? Uh, back here on Earth, we've gotten sillier, 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 sillier. Our technology actually stinks. And, uh, like, think about it. We can't go back to the moon right now. We may not get, we may not be able to pull this off, actually. You know, it's not a done deal that we're going back. And uh, we're sillier than ever. I mean, look, listen to this. This is a major study from, uh, let's see, the JAMA Health Group, which is like incredibly prestigious and well-known. Gun violence in the United States has steadily increased over the last several decades. No kidding. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Ah, here we go. Research shows that racial and ethnic minority communities are disproportionately affected by firearm violence and mortality as compared with white Americans. Although black and African-American individuals represent only 13.6% of the U.S. population, this is all fine so far. I mean, this is accurate. They are disproportionately counted among the victims of firearm-related homicides. Back in 2021, 58% of firearm homicide victims were reported to be black, while 37% were white. Um, Now, This is where it gets crazy. This is where it gets crazy. The way in which measures of structural racism correlate uh, has not been elucidated. In this study, we sought to examine the association between structural racism and mass shootings in metropolitan areas in the United States. Our hypothesis was that in metropolitan areas, um, there would be uh, a greater consequence of structural racism affecting cities with higher black population. What are you going to do about structural racism? What is structural racism? What is it? That is their hypothesis that everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is white supremacy. Everything. Our institutions, our constitution. Just look at those who wrote the constitution. They were all white men, right? They think it's inherently flawed because white people wrote it. So when they start talking about structural racism, be very, very careful. I think they happen to be God-given ideas, inspired, and uh, they're beautiful. Happened to be written by white men at the time. That does not mean that this is a racist document. They say so. If you sign up, if you go along with that, structural racism, you follow that, you go down that rabbit hole. You know what's structurally racist? The Southern State Parkway. Ever, have you been on the Southern State Parkway? Those little bridges? This is, this is, uh, this is false. 
but they say those bridges are designed that way. You know, they're like semi-circular, right? They're kind of low compared to other bridges. They're designed that way to keep buses from getting to Jones Beach. Did you know that? And there are people who believe this. The Secretary of Transportation believes this. And they're about to spend a trillion dollars rooting out structural racism in bridges and roads. Now, it's a total fallacy. It's a total uh, myth. It's a mistake. You heard of Robert Caro and the book that everybody pretends to read, uh, The Power Broker. It is a great book, but most people have not read it. But in that book, he says that uh, Moses is a racist and he did this stuff on purpose. To get... He's wrong. He did a lot of great things, this Moses guy. Uh, and Caro, too. Caro is wrong about Moses in this. Totally wrong. Totally wrong. He's assuming uh, that New York today looked like, or the New York in 1972, when that book came out in 1974, looked like the New York of the 1930s when those bridges went up. It didn't. New York, <laughs> there were more, there were more black people in Maine than there were in New York City in the 1930s. It's he doesn't know what he's talking about, and big people. With big money, the federal government has signed up for this crazy agenda to rid us all of structural racism and the racism in our bridges and highways uh, because they don't know better. And maybe they don't even want to know better because it's fun to virtue signal and say, I'm not like those other people. Uh, Tom, hello. Hey, great, great show. Listen, I'm going to regress a little bit, go back to the, uh, the news that People watching the people, the astronauts land on the moon. The other two major news events in our lifetime was the O.J. Simpson verdict. Everybody was watching that, and James Comey going to come out with the charges against Hillary Clinton. In both instances, <sighs> look. Well, but my point about the moon landing was like everybody was literally on the same page. Everybody was rooting. You know, for the same thing, we wanted. You know, we want. We were all together. There wasn't a person on the planet. You know, maybe one weirdo somewhere, but everybody. You know, was in awe of what was happening, and wanted those guys to come home safely. Right now, take the O.J. Simpson verdict. You've seen the videos, right? Where uh, primarily white audiences were like in disbelief and couldn't believe that he was found not guilty. He was acquitted. Black audiences stood up and cheered. I mean, that moment did not bring us together. What was the other one you mentioned? Eh? What? Coming out with charges against Hillary Clinton. Well, he came out to say he wasn't charging Hillary Clinton. And I remember that. That was in the middle of uh, the day. It was some day in July. And if you weren't watching cable news, I don't think a lot of people were watching that. I mean, you and me and politically active-minded people, whatever. But I don't think that was a moment that brought the world together, right? Come on. I mean, no, 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 that doesn't, that's not the same thing. Another one, though, is the O.J. Simpson when the chase. That was, that was pretty big. I don't think there's been anything as big as the moon since the moon. Tom, thank you. We're in Florida, please. Gainesville, Florida. I've called you before. Yeah, it's been a while. Good to hear from you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's try Dean real quick. Dean, hello. Hi, Greg. Uh, I'm just calling. I wanted to, because I hear so much about reparations, and I think back, my father was in World War II, and I say, if it wasn't for those guys, we'd be all speaking German, whether we're black, white, or indifferent. Okay. And 
Also, uh, I'm 75, so around the Vietnam War, I remember going to West Point to try to get a janitor job. And they told me they couldn't hire me because I was white. They can only hire women and black people. That's weird. And it was the affirmative action thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Trump supporter. I like your show. But what do you think about the reparations thing as far as the World War II guy? Let me ask you something. Uh, that's a very, you know, you're in New Jersey and you went to West Point to get a janitor job. Why, why West Point? Why a janitor job at West Point? Why did you want that job and how did you hear? Did you live down the road at the time or, you know, what was that all about? I, I lived in upstate New York in Newburgh. I'm down here for my grandchildren. I, bo- I moved. Yeah. Well, Newburgh is pretty and, close to West Point. And uh, what'd you do when you didn't get that job? Well, I know I got six months there doing uh, a janitor, six months in a mess hall, and six months as a security guard. And they just hired me temporary, but all the permanent jobs went to people of color. Well. Or a woman. Huh. Huh. Affirmative act. And there you are, ready to work, willing to work. I mean, you had a good attitude, right? You got along with everybody. You were a good worker. Right. Yeah. yeah they shouldn't... told me, you know, I mean, it's. Right. But right. I, I, here I am. I'm 75 years old. And I'm saying they're playing the same game all the time uh, about race. You know, it's. It is sickening. The only the only thing that's uh, I'm getting away from it. I'm gonna. Uh, I I just got born again at this local church, and I just want to try to tune all this stuff out. But I, you know, it's. Uh, well, I'm happy you know, for you. It's totally beautiful. Hey, you know what's wild though? It's interesting. You know, you want a janitor job, and you get boxed out of it because of race, and. People high up on the food chain, high up in the economic system, the elites, mostly elite whites, right? They talk this game about uh, structural racism because they've already got their power. They've already got their money. But they re- they're they rearranging society, and it trickles down to the guy who wants to get a job as a janitor, and he can't because he's white. It's insane. But you see how that works. They love it, and uh, it makes them feel good. They can have something to talk about at a party, but some guy trying to get a job as a janitor, I don't care if it's 1968 or 2023, same stuff. There's a trickle-down effect. I don't like it. Anyway, Dean, uh, you're happy? Yes, I'm happy. All my grandchildren uh, are great. They keep me young. And, uh, uh, well... That's beautiful, no, pal. Had... That's beautiful. Keep it up. Keep it up and uh, stay in touch. I appreciate it, Dean. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Man, America's gotten so uptight and weird. 
we still have the right uh, to make fun of people, right? <laughs> may not be particularly nice, but you know what? Uh, life is, uh, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of things in life that make up life. It's not all ice cream and smiles, right? You're allowed to make fun of people from time to time. Uh, I think so. Uh, I like getting make fun of. Actually, I really do. I enjoy it. I, I find the comments very funny and interesting and intelligent and insightful. And sometimes I see them. Sometimes I play jokes on them. But so what am I getting at here? Elon Musk made it a basically a hobby to make fun of uh, Elizabeth Warren. Now, that's not really a unique target. Who doesn't make fun of Elizabeth Warren? You know, Pocahontas, right? Her. Uh, Elon Musk on Twitter. You remind me of when I was a kid and my friend's angry mom would just randomly yell at everyone for no reason. <laughs> That's one of the richest men in the world calling, uh, calling out a Senator Elizabeth Warren. And that is spot on. Uh, let's see another one. Elon Musk for, to Elizabeth Warren. Please don't call the manager on me, Senator Karen. Ooh, no, I'm not that crazy about the Karen uh, whole thing, but man, oh, man, is she a Karen or what? Um, so what they're doing right now, ooh, it looks like Senator Warren uh, had all kinds of pulled all kinds of strings with the Federal Trade Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission to... First, she wanted to censor Elon Musk, and then she wanted to prevent his buying Twitter. Why? Because she was concerned about us? No, because she was getting picked on. Because she was getting picked on. Freedom of speech. Not everything in speech is beautiful. All right? Sorry, but uh, that's the way it works. Gary, uh, I got to go in a minute, but uh, what's up? Hey, I don't really believe this, but is there, is there a possibility that that whole thing was staged? And it was they never they never landed on the moon. No. Thank you for calling. Absolutely not. That really happened. It really, it really happened. Hey, one thing that proves it, right? One thing that proves it. Why would they fake going to the moon six times? You know, why would they incur all that risk to be found out? Apollo 11, Apollo 12, Apollo 13 blew up, didn't uh, make it to the moon, got back safely. Apollo 14 Apollo 15, Apollo 16, Apollo 17. That's uh, seven trips to the moon. Six were successful. They wouldn't do it over four years. Ellie and Mineola, do you agree? I guess you don't. I see here you don't. What's going on? <laughs> I'm sorry, Greg. Listen, when I was a child, I always wanted to be an astronaut. Okay, let me just get that out there. I love science, okay? When I, w- I was around seven, when my mother made me stay up, Really late at night because this is history. You have to stay awake. So I was listening to the radio, and they landed. But when I was a kid, you know, we saw some film footage, and I said to her in my little seven-year-old voice, Mommy, why why is the flag up there waving when there's no air on the moon? And she said, uh, there must be a little bit of air on the moon. So that kind of like, you know, as a seven-year-old, you're like, yeah, all right, that's that's fine. But you know what? There's a lot of pictures of shadows in the wrong direction. And I've been through all this stuff. Every single, look, give me, hey, hey, Ellie, 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 you're smart. I know you are. I've met you. You, you got to spend about 10 seconds on each of those myths and they're blown apart. They, they blow up. None of them hold up. Not one, zero. Now the undulation of the flag is what you're seeing. It's not air. It's undulation. And it's a physics thing. 
Uh, I've been through all that. Sometimes I'm every, every now and then I get curious and, uh, I went through it and I went and every single one of those theories is bogus. So look, we went there. Uh, it's real and, uh, I hope we're going back, but, uh, thank you, Ellie, very, very much. And, uh, all right, very quickly, Joe. Greg, I have to bring up a dead brand. I have to bring this up. The bottom line is I don't even give a meal to American All right, Joe, you're, tell- you're talking too fast. Uh, Barbara in Huntington. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Greg. Hey, I'm so glad to hear what you have to say about the landings on the moon and so forth, because I'm one of the people in the generation where our husbands were the ones, the engineers, who worked and worked and worked so hard and with such integrity and determination so that that could happen. On Long Island, remember, they built the lunar landing module on Long Island. I know engineers who worked on that. And I'm so proud of our country, so proud of our nation, and our engineers who did all that work. So that wasn't actually why I called. I called originally because I hear you talking about the lawlessness that we see in our very own government on display in prime time yesterday and today, and it reminds me of what Associate Justice of the Supreme Court Brandeis said. He said, if the government becomes a lawbreaker, it breeds contempt for the law. It invites every man to become a law unto himself. It invites anarchy. And what we're seeing with the FBI, the DOJ, and Strzok and Page are wonderful examples of that. What we're seeing is Every one of these agencies, people in them becoming a law unto themselves, regardless of the laws that they have sworn that they would uphold. Wow. Justice Brandeis, huh? Um, Very impressive. Hey, let me ask you something. Are you worried as I am? I'm all for Trump, but I'm really worried. I got to tell you, this January 6th uh, fake investigation and what they're trying to get him on, uh, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about them stealing it all over again. Uh, do you ever worry about this stuff? Every day. <laughs> Every day. Because the theft was so obvious in so many ways in the last election and ways that have not been brought to court and not not seen the evidence presented in front of a judge who would listen to it. But again, one of our founders said, we have to expect that. Reverend Samuel Langdon said, if your legislators are corrupt, which how many legislators do we have who are corrupt? Many. If your legislators are corrupt, you will soon have corrupt judges. Corrupt judges and everything else. Yeah, I know what it feels like. Barbara, thank you. Thank you all. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.